Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Filmcast, a podcast about movies. I'm David Chen, and I wish I had pin particles to enlarge my interest in this franchise. <laughs> hey. joining, joining me today is Devendra Hardwar. Finally, a movie whose intro, like my enjoyment of a movie, I can describe on a quantum level. <laughs> wow! Twofer, Jesus, twofer. yeah, Jesus, and Jeff Kanata. What you gonna do, Mean Chen? When the quantum maniacs run wild on you. <laughs> Good pull. Mm-hmm. Well, those are, of course, all vague and oblique references to the fact that today <laughs> on the podcast, we're going to be reviewing Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, the third film yeah. in the Ant-Man trilogy, question it, it's mark? It's more like Ant-Man the Wasp, sigh, Quantumania. <laughs> <laughs> and the first film of Marvel's Phase 5. Uh, of course, you can always find more episodes of this podcast at thefilmcast.com. Email us at slashfilmcast at gmail.com. Find us on uh, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at thefilmcastpod. We're also at thefilmcast on TikTok, where we're posting videos every week. Check us out there as well. Today on the podcast, we got some film news to discuss, followed by what we've been watching, a lot of good stuff we've been watching this week, and then some weekly plugs. We'll conclude with our in-depth review of Ant-Man of the Wasp Quantumania. But first, folks, let's talk about the film news that I just mentioned. So, a couple big stories broke this week. Here is the headline at Hollywood Reporter. How much is too much Marvel and Star Wars? Disney <laughs> rethinks franchise output. <laughs> Disney will find out. Disney, Disney will determine this to movie. find yeah. out what too much looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a decision that immediately came after they walked out of the like uh, <laughs> studio screening of this movie. It was like, oh, guys, we got to... We get a chill. Okay, Please. so let me let me read from uh, some portions of this article. After years of Marvel and Star Wars movies and shows inundating screens big and small, Disney's putting the brakes on the output of some of its biggest franchises and brands. Following Bob Iger's February 8th comments that the company needs to be better at curating franchise content that's extraordinarily expensive. And less, Iger- <laughs> less Star Wars and Marvel, more Pixar sequels. <laughs> added, the Pixar sequels will continue until morale improves. Um, added Iger, we want the quality on the screen, but we have to look at what they cost us. End quote. That you know that is fascinating, though, Jeff. You bring that up that they announced like Toy Story five when Pixar movies are notoriously quite expensive. You know, oh, yeah. a couple hundred million dollars usually. So. Um, the article quotes from an insider, there's going to be a level of rigor on Marvel and across the entire company. Numbers matter now and costs are going to be outlined and enforced. Yeah. Because Um, you know, the one thing about Marvel movies is they haven't been profitable. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I think it's, it's less about, I mean, the movies are definitely also probably going to take a hit. I mean, I think we learned that, um, that new Marvel's movie is coming out in in November instead of uh, July yeah. as it was originally planned to be, um, but I think it's mostly about these TV shows, Jeff. You know, it's mostly about yeah. these TV shows that are really expensive. Uh, you know, every major entertainment company right now right. is wrangling with streaming costs right now. How much it costs to make these shows? Um, also, what, uh, we're staring down the barrel of of a writer's strike too, which oh, is exactly, yeah. I know. Yeah. So, but, but yes, cl- it, clearly Bob Iger got two episodes into Andor and was like, not much is happening here. I'm just gonna stop. Why is this so expensive? And never watched the rest, you know, it's like, we gotta, we gotta cut the budget here. Mm-hmm. That's where I am with my wife, by the way, like we're rewatching it and she's like, I waiting for things to happen. I'm like, just wait next episode. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Um, but Feige has also th- said the pace at which we're putting out the Disney plus shows will change. Um, 
So, I mean, we were originally supposed to get What If Season 2, Echo, Loki Season 2, Ironheart, and Agatha Coven of Chaos this year. Um, Now, sources tell Hollywood Reporter that Loki Season 2 and the Samuel L. Jackson-led Secret Invasion are the only sure bets to debut this year. Even projects that wrapped months ago, such as Hawkeye spinoff Echo and Wakanda Forever spinoff Ironheart, are unlikely to arrive in 2023 as the studio spreads out its content and tinkers in post-production. And shows in development, such as Nova, are now on a slower path. Jeff Kanata, you're the resident Marvel zombie. Right, so so I again, am. this is largely impacting the TV shows, I think, which are like going to be delayed and spread out over a longer period of time. Um, when you hear this news, what what do you feel, Jeff Canella? What do you th- what are your thoughts? I think this is uh, th- this contraction is is probably a wise and healthy mm-hmm. and smart. Um, wise and smarter synonyms. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's wise, it prudent. Um, both both wise and clever. Smart. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I think it, it, it's just not, there is a, uh, a tipping point, And I do think that it points to the fact that, you know, some of these, these delayable things, I mean, it's kind of what we were talking about with regard to the, uh, you know, the big DC plan to, you know, have everything connected and everything connected. And it's like, well, the only way you can delay stuff like this is if it's not super connected, right? Because if something is a domino that needs to tip for another domino to tip to make sense for the big movie that's coming out, yada, 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 it's all, this is all much more difficult and mm-hmm. it, it creates problems in, in your grand tapestry of storytelling. So, you know, it, it, it does point to some of these things like Echo and some of these things not really being as key to the grand <laughs> plan as other stuff. Uh, although it does seem like they're working toward Young Avengers really hard. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, which is great, but uh, you know, I I don't I, I do think that as a consumer, as a fan, as somebody who really likes these things generally, I think we can have more diversity <laughs> in our content. Everything doesn't have to be Marvel and Star Wars. I am in support of of pulling back and contracting. Whoa, I, well, yeah. that's amazing. The yeah. thing that I, I am worried about is the penny pinching leading to stuff not looking and, and feeling as great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, and I think yeah. one, of, one of the things that's been such a revelation about the Star Wars TV shows, the Marvel TV shows, is that it does feel like cinema quality on, uh, you know, on a streaming service. It does yeah. seem yeah. like every single week Andor looked like a, you know, $100 million movie. Right, right. And right. that's... That's very special, and I would be sad to see that go away. For sure, it's it's just a shame the volume didn't translate to the big screen as well. Like it's it's funny how that works out. Everything you're saying is smart, Jeff. Um, the way I see it, though, and wise, Disney, and wise, yeah, yeah, and wise. Um, you guys remember Minority Report? I'm sure somewhere somewhere in the Disney headquarters is like a tank of precogs, and they're just thinking like <laughs> box office dip. Revenue decline, stock tanking. They're just getting all <laughs> these reports, and they're like, "Oh God, we we gotta like readjust here." Yeah, uh, I, I mean, I think that a, a lot of companies, like Peacock, as an example, has spent hundreds of millions of dollars on their service, um, and Disney is is it has done so as well. And it's just like, wow, like we have grown really quickly in a very short period of time. And now it's time to tap the brakes a little bit because Mm -hmm. the spending is a little bit out of control. Jeff, I have kind of a similar issue to what you're saying about 
what's going to happen with these shows about like, you need to have seen this to have done this. I, I mean, um, Disney plus has had a rough go of it when it comes to the MCU shows, just in terms of uh, luck. And what I mean by that is I think WandaVision debuted like right around when COVID happened. Right. If I recall correctly, yeah, 2020, um, I think it was. Yeah. Um, it was, or, or rather it was like being made around COVID. It debuted in January of 2021. So COVID was like March of 2020. And, uh, and then, like they, they had to like reshuffle a bunch of the order of some of these shows. Not not one division specifically, but like the order of some of these shows and films around, um, partially because of COVID, partially because of other factors. Um, and I think the the net result is going to be less. You need to have seen Loki to understand Ant Man the Wasp Quantumania, and it's more like we're going to write or release these things in such a way that you don't have to have seen anything because mm-hmm. we don't mm-hmm. know when they're going to be released. So we just need to have it kind of make sense, and therefore, like the storytelling feels like it has fewer stakes. That's what yeah. I think is going to be the biggest net result, and and I think Quantumania is kind of honestly um, one sign of that. And we'll talk about that during our review. But yeah, yeah. Um, so, but I, yeah. I, I I would agree that like I don't think the Marvel TV output has been uniformly good, um, and that s- slowing the pace might be a good thing. I do feel bad about all the people that worked on these shows. It sounds like it's a little bit chaotic over there right now. Um, and that is a bummer. So, yeah. Um, hoping all the people who are working on these shows, like, uh, you know, ha- have a smooth place to land. Um, but overall, I do think like lowering the output, focusing more on quality, or as Bob Iger put it, curation is a good thing. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Okay. I, I, I don't know if, uh, lowering the output and focusing on quality are the same thing. Mm, it's true. Mm-hmm. True. It, it may also be like part of like viewer response too, because I do feel like when you're overloaded with something, it tends to kind of just like turn into white noise. It's less special. So that's true. Yeah. There, I, that. I saw this uh, statistic online that was kind of interesting to me. Um, so you guys know what cinema score is, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, this is about Marvel movies, it's not about the TV shows, but CinemaScore is this company, they go out, they poll actual moviegoers, not critics, not online people posting on Rotten Tomatoes, actual moviegoers on opening nights of movies, and then they g- generate a letter grade based on what people say. Most of the time, movies get an A or an A-, minus. like in general, unless it's like a very bad movie, it'll get an A or an A-, minus. horror movies generally get Bs or Cs because um, they're much more polarizing. Um, I think Marvel has released 31 films in theaters um, since uh, Iron Man. Yeah, 31 films. Of those movies, every single one of those movies has an A or an A- cinema score other than uh, five of those movies. That's a pretty good track record. Incredible Mm -hmm. track record. Uh, And I think they had a 21-run streak of A's and A minuses, which is like up there with Pixar, basically, in terms of how good good that streak is. Okay. So basically, think about it. 31 movies, only five have gotten under A or A minus cinema score. So like people love the Marvel films. Um four out of the five movies, uh I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Five movies have gotten worse than A minus cinema score. Four out of those five movies happened in the last two years. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um so Specifically, Eternals, Quantumania, Thor, Love and Thunder, Multiverse of Madness. Um, those are f- the four movies that got a B or B plus cinema score. Those happened all in the last two years. So 
is that a sign that people are getting tired of Marvel? I don't, I don't know, but like certainly the scores are trending downward. Mm -hmm. I, I would argue that like, I don't think, you know, I, I like Eternals personally, but I don't think those movies were very good. That's me personally. Um, but maybe audiences are showing signs of, uh, Marvel fatigue, as it were. We'll I mean, they're they're all like a little different than what the Marvel template was before. So that's that's part. That's true. That's a, like, that's a good thing to keep in mind. Yeah. Of those, I think Doctor Strange is the one I like the most, yeah. and that one yeah. was just Sam Raimi just having fun. Like really, mm -hmm. that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, just some some stats to consider. By the way, you want to guess what the fifth movie that didn't get an A.R.A. Manus was? Uh, that Thor wasn't two. released in the last two years. Thor two. You, that is, you know, it's surprising. It's not Thor two. Thor mm. Thor two actually got an A, I, I believe. Um, it was Thor one. Thor one got a B plus. Okay. Very very weird. Can, very weird. I can see that. I, but I agree. Thor two should have gotten the B plus. So anyway, all right. There's one other story I wanted to mention. This is a really important story for me personally. I got so many messages from people being like, "What do you think of this?" I thought of you, David Chen, when this, this was story made came for out. you. Yeah. yeah. So here's the headline from Hollywood Reporter. How to Train Your Dragon live action movie in the works from Dean DeBlois and Universal. So the original guy. The original the guy, who, guy made who made How yeah. to Train Your Dragon. Yes. Uh, Universal Pictures has put in motion a How to Train Your Dragon live action movie with Dean DeBlois. Or is it Dean DuBlois? I'm not exactly sure. The film. Mm -hmm. I tried to find his pronunciation before this conversation. Couldn't find it. The filmmaker behind the original animated trilogy. He's back in the saddle as writer, director, and producer. Uh, now, How to Train Dragon has a special place in my heart. I think I've seen that movie five times in theaters. Really loved it. Obviously, um, I have listened to the score thousands of times. The score was a part of the theme song for this podcast for a very long time. And I have to say, a lot of people, when they heard this news and they thought of me, they're like, oh, I bet David is going to not be happy about this because like, what's the point of having a live-action remake? Disney has made a lot of live-action remakes, and they have not been very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, my, my opinion can best be summed up by, um, uh, a gentleman who, who DM'd me after I posted this on Instagram and, um, instead of live action movie in the works, this person messaged me and he said, less compellingly animated version of the works. I think they mean, <laughs> which I thought <laughs> was true. like, Oh, like, like, well, yeah. So that's like really like the Lion King. Live yeah. Action. Like the Lion King. Everyone's like, that's the live action version of the Lion King. No, it's not. You got it's live all, dragons? It's photo all real. CG. It's all photo CG. Photo real is, is probably yeah, the better Yeah, photorealistic. Photorealistic <laughs> CG, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know that I'm expecting that much from this film. Honestly, mm -hmm. I, I'm going to tell you guys, the thing that has me most excited is the possibility that John Powell might do the score for this movie. Because <laughs> he's, he's kind of tapped out at that, this point. But that means like we, if, if he does the score for this movie, that means we might get like a reorchestration of the movie from the original, which is like just like one of the all-time legendarily great movie scores, in my opinion. And oh, so it's absolutely. like, if we can get a different version of that, even just like remastered or reperformed or whatever, that, that will make the movie a success right there. Beyond mm -hmm. that, um, there are some really awesome action set pieces in the original How to Train Your Dragon. The original How to Train Your Dragon, the CG has really aged. It's really showing its age now. And so to see it re-rendered, yeah, you know, Devinger, you brought up the idea of like remastering Toy Story. That would be really interesting. It if would they be had interesting. Done, yeah. If they had done a remaster, you know, where they reanimated, redid the assets for a movie like this, that would have been, I think, an unquestionable win. Like, oh, I'm so excited about that. Live action with live action actors and stuff like that, going to yeah. be a much more 
difficult sell, I think. The question um, is like, what do you what do you gain? You know, I feel like we have this conversation whenever a live action adaptation of something yeah. is has happened, and I feel like the Airbender one is the one that kind of broke me. Um, and they're doing another one of those, <laughs> and they're doing yeah. another one of those. Yeah, but you don't you don't gain anything because animation you have limitless potential. You could do whatever you want, and all live action stuff is, you know, limitations. Uh, even if the stu- the dragons are CG, you're still dealing with humans. I don't know, but also I think Dean Debloy is is fantastic. So yes. I would I would love for him to have a great success. You know, um, he also did Lilo and Stitch. Like this guy has been around for a while. I want him to do great things. Jeff, can I, I have actually, any, any pity on this? Yeah. Yeah, ahead. yeah. I I was pretty excited when I heard this. Uh, I'm also a huge fan of that first movie. Um, I thought this sounded like a really cool. You know, a, a, a true fantasy film. You know, with with actors and sets, and, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. cool. And yes, the dragons are going to be CG, obviously. But you know, I think I think this could be really exciting and cool. And then I read someone that kind of burst my bubble a bit. <laughs> they said uh, the one thing that this seems to guarantee is that it, they're going to ruin the perfect design of Toothless. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. It has because to be you can't grittier. do that. That I mean, it's very yeah. much a cartoon character, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can't. Th- I can make very it much more see, realistic and grim. Yeah, dark, probably, it's going right? to ruin yeah. it. it yeah. it's gonna, Toothless it's be is yeah. is perfectly designed. Just a, yeah. a wonderful, yeah, char- animated character. And to do it to make it look like a lizardy, dragony thing, I think is going to really potentially. You know, there. I, I hope I'm wrong here, or I hope the person I read that put this idea in my head is wrong, um, because. Maybe there is a way to do it that'll yeah, retain yeah. that sort of uh, the the life in the eyes and all of the wonderful things you get, uh, and and having the original creator on board gives me some hope in that regard. But for sure, for sure, it does feel like making a realistic looking dragon and a bunch of realistic looking dragons it could actually hurt this. Yeah, I, I feel like the the only good way to go about this is make it a Reign of Fire sequel <laughs> in the How to Train Your Dragon universe. Come on, that movie mm, rules. Yeah. I really enjoyed that movie. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. One of the things they've said here is uh, one of the creative challenges facing the filmmakers is trying to find the balance of making the dragons appealing and friendly, like some were in the original movie, and realistic. End quote. You know, so yeah, that's that's, that's, that's going to be a big challenge. But here, mm-hmm. let me let me put this out there. This is a big gamble if this comes to pass, right? This is a big gamble on the the movie's legacy. I, I will say this: the second and third films were a little disappointing. The second film, the, third the second film in particular. I think well, the second is better than the third. I think third. the third film got, you know, had dragon romance that was interesting, you know. <laughs> but the second film, I think the story, when you look back on it, and and again, like we've talked about this in the past, but you know, originally, my understanding was like it was originally conceived with Toothless's mom being the villain in that right, story, right? right? And, and like when you're watching the first hour of the movie, you're like, oh, Hiccup's maybe she's going to be Hiccup's the villain. Mom, you mean, yeah, right? And, Hiccup, sorry, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. Hiccup's mom, yeah. Um, and then it's like a the, Darth the Vader the story, situation yeah. they almost had there. Yeah, the story kind of doesn't really um, isn't particularly satisfying because it does feel like they changed a bunch there. Uh, and then the third film, I think, is actually decent. But yeah, none of those films, in my opinion, were like this is a great send off for this franchise, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so there's a possibility if they really nail it with this, this could be like, hey, mm-hmm. this is how How to Train Your Dragon is remembered. There are um, TV shows too, so kids have been watching that for for it's a while. True. Yeah, but but. Uh, I do think, yeah, they're they're kind of making a big gamble on the legacy of this thing. I really hope it pays off. This is one of my most beloved films and franchises of all time, um, and I I am strangely excited. Like out of all the remakes, Lion King and 
Cinderella and, you know, Little Mermaid. Like, this is the one I am most excited about. So I hope it works out for them. I hope it works out for them. All right. That's a couple of pieces of film news that we wanted to talk about. Let's take a break for a sponsor. We'll be right back with more and what we've been watching here on the Filmcast. Hey, it's time for me to jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, HelloFresh. I love it when HelloFresh sponsors. Why? Because I've been using HelloFresh for many years now. I am a proud subscriber of HelloFresh. It has improved my week-to-week eating, frankly, because with HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes that are delivered right to your doorstep so you can skip trips to the grocery store and use HelloFresh to make cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it is America's number one meal kit. That's why it's my number one meal kit. Like I said, I've been subscribing to HelloFresh for years now, and it really does remove all those pain points that prevented me from falling in love with cooking. I don't like going to the grocery store. Who likes going to the grocery store? Skip the extra trip to the grocery store, the long checkout lines. Spend more time doing the things that you love to do with delicious chef-crafted recipes that are delivered right to your doorstep. Talking recipes, they have 40 weekly recipes to choose from with HelloFresh. 40! Can you say bye-bye to your recipe rut? Treat yourself and your family to exciting new flavors every single week. I can tell you, if I did not have HelloFresh, we'd be eating the same old stuff every single week because I don't know anything. I don't know how to make anything, but HelloFresh makes it easy. Plus, you can eat well and save money. We don't have the expensive takeout and delivery every single day because we're using HelloFresh, and you'll love how fast, easy, and affordable it is to whip up a restaurant-quality meal right in your own kitchen. And I'm telling you, that's what we've often said, my wife and I. This tastes like something we'd get at a restaurant, and we made it ourselves. We know what has gone into it. We know what food we're giving our kids. All of that is very important. You can customize meals, swap out proteins or sides. It's so easy and customizable. You can always skip a week if you don't need to. I love it. I've been using it for years, and it has made me love cooking. So you got to try it yourself. Go to HelloFresh.com slash FilmCast65 and use the code FilmCast65 for 65% off plus free shipping. Again, that is HelloFresh.com slash FilmCast65. And then use that code, FilmCast65, for 65% off, plus free shipping. Give it a shot. I think you'll love it. All right, folks, let's talk about what we've been watching. I watched a movie called Sharper on Apple TV Plus this week. Have you guys heard about this movie, Sharper? No. Um, This is a movie directed by Benjamin Karen. Uh, who is one of the creative minds behind The Crown on Netflix. So he he knows how to make beautiful movies. And indeed, Sharper is a beautiful movie. This is actually distributed by A24, which is, we. it's like the first time I think I've seen an A24 film on Apple TV+. Plus. Maybe there have been more, but like, um, yeah. And uh, I, I will tell you that this is like a confidence man heist movie type deal, right? Where Ooh. like, it's people deceiving people. I'm intrigued. Um. The biggest twist of the movie happens in the first five seconds <laughs> when they put the word sharper on screen and it says, 
it's like gives you a definition of sharper, and you find out that sharper is a noun. I'm just gonna put that out there. So, oh man, Jeff, I thought you'd appreciate sick that. twist. You sick twist sharper noun because sharper is like a weird word for a title, yeah. right? Like it's like why would you have an adjective for the title of sharper, and then you find out in the first five seconds sharper is a noun. Um, now here's the thing about heist movies, confidence movies. There was a, an episode of Rick and Morty that parodied these kinds of movies. Um, I think it was called One Flew Over the Crew Cruise Morty, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that episode was born out of the uh, showrunner's disdain for heist films, right? Because all heist films are basically the same. You know, like if you think about it, it's basically we're assembling a crew and then they're trying to steal a thing. And then, you know, they try to steal the thing. And then, like, the person is like, wait, I figured out a way to foil your plan to steal the thing. And then the original crew is like, well, actually, we already factored that into our plan. Like, that's kind of the way most heist movies play out, right? Uh-huh. And uh, it, it gets to the point where they, I think there's this thing called, like, the Heistatron 3000 in that episode where it, like, randomizes your actions. So there's no way anyone can possibly predict what you're going to do. Um, and, and it is a really ridiculous construct for a kind of movie all that being said guys i'm a sucker for heist movies you know yeah same i'm a sucker I'm a, no matter how bad sure. the twists are no you matter still talk how about that will they're... smith movie everybody forgot about so mm-hmm. Fo- and yet, I, you, I, I freaking and love focus yeah that's focus a, i love that movie oh focus movie. and sharper and sharper yet, the focus sequel ooh, it's sharper <laughs> focus um i told you guys this is not already but anyway go ahead uh, <laughs> and yet you refuse to uh watch kaleidoscope it's true mm-hmm. which is okay fine Okay. Literally. Well, that's a bigger commitment, Jeffrey. That's a bigger commitment. Okay, this is right. this is like a yeah. two-hour movie. Two it's hour not movie. like Dave has just binged a ten-hour TV show recently or anything. Mm-hmm. I no, like in yeah. one day. I, yeah, in a, in a day. I like. <laughs> I also like how Dave's like. It doesn't matter how bad the movie is. It, 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 if it's a heist, I'm in. Uh, why won't we watch Kaleidoscope? Oh, I heard it's bad. <laughs> well, here's the thing about Sharper. You have a lot of beautiful people. In this movie, Julianne Moore, Sebastian Stan, you know, like doing beautiful things. They're in a beautiful looking movie. Um, A lot of the people in the movie, I'm not going to say who, are doing like heisty things, you know. Uh, Uh, And, uh, you know. Beautiful John Lithgow. uh, Beautiful John Lithgow. He's in the movie. I will tell you, my wife and I watched this movie together, and she predicted 99% of the movie. (laughs) She's like, oh, that person's in on it. You know, they should or, tell Agatha Christie fans <laughs> to stay away from these yeah, things. Yeah. It, we get to the end of the movie, and I was like, wow, that was great. She's like, that was fine. You know, like it was because <laughs> she, she basically called the entire film. So there's there's nothing there's a fun in that too. I mean, I mean, yeah, there's, there's a fun in that. Wife, but, but also, here's the thing, Jeff. The last thing I'll say is that a lot of the twists in this movie are very, very stupid. You know, okay. like they're like, there's no way that works like that in real life, kind of. Uh, you know, right. and so, so you're saying not worth the time. It's silly, it's predictable, it has lots of beautiful people doing beautiful heist things. If you are into that, I think you'll enjoy Sharper, but if you're like, no, I need my heist movies to make more sense, which is very rare that they do, by the way. <laughs> but if you if that's what you need from a heist movie, then you will not enjoy Sharper. I had a great time. It, it gave me what I needed, but I understand if... Yeah, th- if thank you like, for bringing up Rick and Morty, by the way, because I do feel like that show has kind of broken certain genres for us, as we will discuss in Quantumania. Mm, indeed. Oh, yes, indeed, indeed. So that's Sharper. <laughs> it's on Apple TV+. Plus. I had a good time. Most of you probably won't, and that's fine. <laughs> so Sometimes, guys, I find movies by scrolling through streaming uh-huh. services. You know, like what's on Hulu, what's on Paramount+, Plus, whatever, what's on Prime Video. 
Yeah. You know, sometimes you're looking I find for the strongest noun. So give me the strongest <laughs> noun you've got. Sometimes, sometimes I find it by you know listening to what you guys recommend to me. You know, that's true. Sometimes it does happen, or uh, people recommending it to us uh, in the, in our Slack or on on uh, on Twitter or whatever hashtag slash whatever it is. Um, and sometimes I, I find it when I'm googling. You know, just googling phrases. <laughs> anyway, unrelated, unrelated notes. Dear, dear chat GPT, entertain me. Give uh, un- me something to watch. <laughs> un- completely unrelated topic. I watched a movie called All My Friends Hate Me. Ah, <laughs> right. <laughs> just Googling, just Googling away. Unrelated. I just said it was unrelated to what I just said, Jeff. You know, uh-huh, I, wasn't, sure. yeah. I certainly wasn't Googling All My Friends Hate Me or variants thereof <laughs> before I found the found movie. A result, <laughs> found a result without the words, why do? uh this is a movie that's on hulu and i really like this movie guys so it's basically about uh this character who goes to this birthday party uh that all of his friends are hosting for him at kind of this uh cottage out in the middle of nowhere and uh not you know not very much happens in the plot it's kind of filmed like a horror movie where it's like ooh something sinister is happening the entire time you know um but it's really about the horrors of social anxiety it's about ha- have you ever have you guys ever had the situation where you you're at a gathering of your friends at like a restaurant or party and you look around you and you realize i don't know a single goddamn one of these people <laughs> who you are know? these people who are these people? like literally like you literally you know what their identities are but you don't know like who they are what they've become what they do for a living mm-hmm. like any what their wants are their beverage yeah. preference like anything right? that's like, called going to a six-year-old's birthday party mm-hmm. <laughs> like these are my friends you know like are these my friends um and this movie does a really great job of capturing that existential horror that existential dread of like i'm with these people who are supposed to be my friends but like they're not, and also like some of them are probably pretty terrible people. You know, like what am I? What am I doing here? I'm doing. What am a I doing? Podcast here? with these assholes? <laughs> How did I get here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this so, is not my beautiful house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, uh, I really because that's that's like a difficult so, sort of social situation, social feeling to capture. Mm-hmm. And I think all my friends hate me. Does a great job of capturing that. That's and, cool. Um, is re- really unsettling, you know. And this, this uh, sounds like a good double up with bodies, bodies, bodies. To be honest, <laughs> uh, it, it's actually not. It's that's actually a really good suggestion, Devendra. Yeah. It also reminded me of in a little bit. Uh, it, I mean, I did not like this movie, but um, uh, I did not like Speak No Evil. But it kind of was similar to Speak No Evil in some ways about like people's <laughs> politeness and playing off the people's politeness. Speak No certain, Evil. Certain I don't parts think parts of Speak No Evil. I don't yeah. think Speak No Evil is a good movie. But like, I think actually, uh-huh. All My Friends Hate Me is a good movie. Is it a horror movie? It's speak no evil. It, it is wants a you to movie. think it's a horror movie. That's what I'll say. It wants uh, you to think this, it's a horror movie, and yeah. I will not comment on whether or not it actually is one. Though this um, movie is from uh, the director Staff Let's Flats, which I really like. Mm. So, oh, yeah. um, I think I will check it out. Andrew Gaynord is yeah. the director of this movie, and yeah, it's on Hulu. Uh, it's called All My Friends Hate Me, and uh, I had a great time with it. I found it excruciating from beginning to end, <laughs> and that is what I was looking. Oh, for. that's that's. Dave Chen catnip right there. Indeed, indeed. Final thing I'm going to talk about. So that's uh, All My Friends Hate Me on Hulu. Final thing I want to talk about, Picard Season 3. Oh, you really got to Season 3? Now, here's so the curious. Thing. So uh-huh. curious here's what you thing. think about this. I have heard that Picard Seasons 1 and 2 are overall very bad. That's yeah. what I that's what I heard. So I'm like, okay, I'm not getting into it. Not Th- that is it. what I learned from the first 15 minutes of yeah. Picard <laughs> yeah. Episode 1. Same. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
season three is apparently, from what I understand, a complete reboot. It is the final season of Picard, which is on Paramount Plus. It is a complete reboot, and it they get guys. I'm I'm screaming this. They get the whole gang back. Together. Whole gang, yeah, gets yeah, back together. yeah. They get no. the whole gang back. Together. It took them three seasons to do what everybody was asking them to do. Yeah, like literally, virtually every major player from the Next Generation is back this season. And uh, I so I started watching Picard season three. I have not. I watched a few episodes of season one. Did not watch any of season two. I just was like, I'm going to do this cold straight into season three. Yeah, the first episode is available. Everyone I know who is a Trek fan who has watched season three has said, you got to get back into Picard. Like, this is the thing to watch. The uh, showrunner, Terry Metalis, I believe is his name, has said that Star Trek Nemesis, which is the 10th film, uh, the Star Trek film, was not a good send off for these characters. <laughs> this was right? for the people who didn't like Nemesis. That yeah. was the last kind of time we saw that whole crew together, if I recall correctly. And it's like, he's like, I want this to actually be the next generation's last ride. Mm -hmm. And so far from what I've seen in the first episode, um, which gets Riker back in the mix um, and Seven of Nine back in the mix and Dr. Crusher back in the mix. I'm like, and there's apparently more people on the poster that I haven't even uh-huh. seen yet in the in the show. Um, I saw I saw the Jordy pictures looking, yeah. looking good. I, I am... Yeah. I'm excited, guys. Like, I'm really like into. It's good. I'm, the first episode's good. Is what first you're episode's saying? good. First episode's good. If you like, there's a I, couple things where like you you would benefit from knowing what has happened in previous seasons. But like, you could read a Wikipedia plot summary. If the last thing you saw was all good things or Nemesis, you're fine. Basically. I'm trusting you, Chen. Okay. I'm trusting you know. because I watched that first episode of Picard <laughs> with so much hope and yeah. joy in my heart. Truly and awful. It was so yeah. bad. Mm. One of the worst things in recent memory. Wow. Okay. That yeah. I remember. Well, apparently seeing. it got worse, by the way. I'm yeah. just putting that I, out I, there. I yeah. heard this. So I, I will say if you have watched Picard season three and do not like it, um, my colleague Daniel Cooper over in Gadget wrote an, an incredible takedown of this entire season. So Uh-oh. that's also. Oh, he did not like it. He destroyed it. Oh, boy. Wow. Like there's nothing left after he, he bodied <laughs> Now I don't know what to review. think. Um, Okay, well, <laughs> I know like a lot of Maru. I'm what do I do? The, I'm reading the headline. He says, "Don't watch Picard season three. It'll only encourage them. The third season is yet another misguided waste of everyone's time." I would say, read. The, I mean, the first couple paragraphs of that are just like incredible stuff, but maybe too much for a podcast. But it's mm-hmm. it's good. It is oh, a great man. takedown. Here's the thing: I don't think Trek fans know anymore. I think you are all so broken down by whatever the hell is <laughs> happening to this franchise that you can't even tell You're if not it's wrong. good or bad anymore. You are not so wrong. You're, yeah, that's accurate. Uh, Dave, I, here's what I, here's my new plan. Well, I'm, here's the thing. I'm also before you say anything, Jeff. I, I, I'm also like pretty frustrated at the Paramount Plus release schedule. Like uh-huh. most, like Hulu, Netflix, whatever, they usually drop like two to three episodes, so you can kind of decide. They this uh, Paramount Plus only dropped one episode of Picard season three. All the other opinions <laughs> I'm reading are from people who've seen two to four episodes. Yeah, um, online, and so I've not seen two to four episodes, so I can't really decide. But from what I've seen, from what I've read, I'm like, I think I gotta watch the rest of the season. That's kind of what I've realized. Okay, go ahead, Jeff. What are you gonna say? All right, you're going to be my uh, canary in the coal mine. Uh, my new plan is is yes. I'm going to let you watch the, yeah, more right. of them. We'll do a to... mid-season check-in. I'll, I'll yeah. be like, it's still good. I'm still doing it. But it's like, the, you know, the opportunity to see all these people get yeah. back together again, it's like, uh, it's irresistible. I can't be, I can't irresistible. be hurt again, though, because mm-hmm. that's what I thought about the first episode. It was like, I'm going to see, he's going to play Picard again? Right, right. The, but this the early the whole stuff crew. in Picard was yeah. so like I, I can i can i'm down with a lot of discovery you know as messy that that show gets to be but it's like 
people had never even written a TV show before. Like there, <laughs> there were big names involved with Picard season one. And um, I don't know what happened there. Yeah. Just kind of a mess. Well, anyway, Picard season three is out on Paramount Plus. Also, as a result of this, I went back and watched All Good Things, the series finale of The Next Generation. And I got to say, just say, that is one of the great series finales of all time. Like, True. It's a little cheesy in terms of its budget and its TV aesthetic, but um, people talk about like, oh, what are the greatest series finale? You know, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, The Sopranos, Six The Feet Wire, Under. You know, Six Feet Under, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation, all good things should go up, should go on there. And actually, I wanted to geek out with you guys about this a little bit because I remember when that sh- that first came on the air. Um, literally, uh, like. <laughs> It was a two-parter. I, here's what I remember. It was a two-parter. And uh, like I, 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 I either recorded it myself using a VHS tape or I asked my dad to record it. And part of the VHS tape for one of the parts got cut off, right? Like it was the end of one episode or the beginning of the next episode. And I literally spent months trying to figure out what was in the part of the tape that got cut off? Yeah, like, that happened to me because, all the because time. this was back yeah. in the day. You couldn't just like, hey, let's stream it again. Like you needed to wait months for that shit to come back on the air. Yeah. And so yeah. literally, I'm I'm not joking. What I did, I literally bought the novel is or not bought. I went to the library <laughs> and got the novelization of of uh, of the episode because mm-hmm. they were writing novels and I read the novelization. You're forced of, to read of forced the to. series finale to figure out. What happened? Because you couldn't, I couldn't access it. Because it's couldn't not access like it. Yeah. you couldn't even like go to like a video store and see that episode, no. right? Because like, they never like really they released. On, they don't put seasons. those on on video stores back. Then. No VHS tapes on video no stores. No VHS tapes. Yeah, we yeah. just heard the origin story of how Dave became a TV recap podcaster. Mm, <laughs> this like, is I, the I, first I decoding. This, this yeah. is the the origins of decoding. He yes. decoded it. <laughs> Yeah, and and I was like, I, I I desperately kept trying to like find like what was in like three minutes of tape that I missed. The thing, you know, like it was because there was no internet, there was no find, there was no recaps. Well, well there, were, there was put, internet. I'm there also going to put there this out people, there. Yeah, that is a particularly bad episode to have a three minute chunk missing because oh, the, the 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 um, premise of the episode is P- Captain Picard is jumping around back and forth in time. And so, mm-hmm. like one minute he's at one, and then the next minute he's in a completely different location. Without any, and so it's like I missed like one of those jumps, and I'm like, why the f are we here? And this, you know, anyway, okay. Um, I I, I literally have not told anyone that until now, and so I, I wanted Thanks you guys sharing. and this whole audience to share in my frustration of what happened back then. Davis, how, how, how long did it take for you to actually see those three missing minutes? I, I think it, it it probably was years. I'm not even until joking. the DVD, right? Yeah, yeah, it was probably was years because, um. They didn't just like rerun the episode like right away or anything, you know. Like I had to wait like until I had to like check my freaking TV guide until I knew it was coming on. <laughs> anyway, the kids these days they don't know. They don't what, know. They, they don't know. know these days. They don't yeah. know. Yeah. Okay, that's what I've been watching. Picard season three about Paramount Plus. Jeff, let's do a mid season check and I'll let you know how it's going. Please, uh, Divinger Hardware. What have you been watching? I want to talk about something good in the MCU, and that is Marvel's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. And this is a new animated show that just started airing on the Disney Channel, actually. And it's uh, it some of the it is getting to Disney Plus uh, eventually. I'm not sure how many episodes are there now, um, but I've, I've started watching this with my daughter, and I love it. It's really cute. Um, it has a great. Uh, this show really reminds me of 
the the great days of like Dexter's Laboratory and Powerpuff Girls. Yeah. And Invader stuff I Zim. loved as a kid. Exactly. Invader Zim. Stuff I loved as a kid, but something that it, adults could enjoy. This one's about a 13 year old girl named Lunella who lives in the Lower East Side in like a super diverse uh, community. I love that area in New York. And um, she's a super genius, of course. She has a secret lab and she she uses a time portal or a time vortex to get a giant T-Rex in her neighborhood and they go on adventures together and protect their neighborhood. It's very cute. It's just like really, really well done. It's a really good watch. And it's also very music forward in a way that is really fun too. Uh, Raphael Sadiq did the score and a lot of the songs for this. And um, music just feels like the pulse of the show. Like the opening five minutes is just like incredible track, like great music, incredible visuals too. Like it's, um, they're not trying to do Spider-Verse like so many things are, but it is as if you took like kind of herky-jerky animation and brought it down to a 2D level back to what maybe what Spider-Verse was trying to do at the beginning. But it's a really good look. Lots of great colors, lots of great design. I love the actors involved too. Um, Diamond White, the singer, plays Moon Girl and also does a few of the songs. Um, and her name always gets me because there, there's a Steven Universe character named White Diamond. Um, but it, that's where we are. Alfie Woodard is in the show. Lawrence Fishburne does some stuff. Um, it's really, really good. And it's a, it's a lot of fun. It brings me back to like, you know, the stuff I really loved about, you know, close New York neighborhoods where a lot of different cultures are just kind of smashed together and kind of learn to live together. And this show really captures the beauty of that. And my daughter is like fully on board with everything here. So I'm digging it. Jeff, I know you saw it. I'm not sure what you're thinking. I agree with everything you said. Yeah, it's fantastic. It really is, uh, I think, special. And uh, I love, like you said, the look is so great. It, it is feel like a throwback to all those great polls that you just you listed off, like I said, Invader Zim and Powerpuff Girls mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, and it, it, it's, it's really lovely. The family in it is, is great. Um, it's also, I was surprised it's longer than most animated series are. Mm. Uh, at least that first episode was like an hour, which is uh, pretty wild. And at the beginning, you talked about the beginning, how it starts with this song. I, I there's a part of me at the beginning. was like, is this whole thing just going to be, like operatic? a musical. is it yeah. gonna be a mu music because it tells the story of what's happening in a music and it's not that but i thought that was pretty impressive and yeah the, the show's a delight it really is very well done music is like in the dna of this i've been listening to the soundtrack like even when i'm not watching it and it's uh it's just a ton of fun so i would recommend it to everybody especially if you like animated stuff if you want something to like fill that void until you get to see um what across the spider-verse what's what's the new one um I saw the trailer for that again recently. It's just getting me super amped. Uh, this show is really good. And I would say really great for kids. See, my four-year-old girl um, really got into it. There's nothing super scary, you know, like some kids shows I feel like can veer into like scary things. And even though there's a giant dinosaur running around, uh, my daughter loved it. So yeah, highly recommended. That's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, and it's available on the Disney Channel. That's what Devinder Hardware has been watching this week. Let's take a quick break for a sponsor. We'll be right back with more of what we've been watching right after this. Jeff Canato, what have you been watching this week? Well, I checked out a uh, a documentary film on Netflix. Uh, that's I think from back from 2020, 2021. Some it's a couple of years old. Um, it's called "Have a Good Trip: Adventures in Psychedelics." Uh, this sounds is like top... sounds like you were also googling things, and then you found the movie to watch. <laughs> well, in a, in How a way, to I mean... have a good trip? Mm, googling, you know. <laughs> well, psilocybin now has 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 been legalized in my state of yeah. Colorado. Oh, uh, nice. And, uh, I've, I'm definitely curious. I've never done any psychedelics, but I've, I'm definitely curious about it. And so I've, uh, I don't know. You've probably heard me mention. Um, uh, how to change your mind a, a few weeks ago. I, I watched that uh, documentary and I, I checked out this one as well. 
Uh, this is definitely a much more, um, uh, let's say, uh, you know, lighthearted look at at the uh, the idea of psychedelics in that it basically is a series of interviews with a bunch of famous people recounting their experience doing mushrooms or LSD or any number of um, psychedelics. Um, and, it, you know, it's kind of a who's who of uh, of really fun, delightful people that you would want to hear from. And many of them comedians, you know, uh, Sarah Silverman, and uh, there's a bunch of them, but also like Sting, you know, the, the, the musical artist. So there's a lot of people talking about their experience, uh, the, and it's intertwined with sort of animation that uh, is trying to visualize some of the experiences that they had. Um, you know, funny stories or sort of words of warning or or uh, advice in uh, experiencing that. And uh, I found it very, uh, very fun to watch, uh, very interesting. It's it's humorous, it's entertaining. Uh, and it also, you know, is part of what I think is a very healthy movement toward kind of destigmatizing some of these um, these chemicals, these uh, these experiences. Uh, and and kind of talking about them in very frank and honest ways instead of uh, being shrouded in in kind of um, you know the mora morality and 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 uh, fear mongering, which has been the my experience my entire life of of, yeah. of how these things were introduced or d discussed. Um, so I just it's think just it's so it's so bizarre to me. You know, we've probably talked about this on the podcast before, but it's so bizarre to me. Like what we as a society decided was acceptable and not. Mm -hmm. You know, what substances we decided were acceptable yeah. in our body and not legally. It's just like, well, it's it's nuts how you could like have a business meeting and everybody's like doing shots of tequila. And, you know, it's, it's just so weird. <laughs> I guess Jeff worked in 1950s Mad Men style. <laughs> well, I think that still happens, Dave. <laughs> no, I think you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Mm -hmm. Like, like mm -hmm. alcohols can be a part of work. It's just a gatherings. normal thing. It's like, and it's it's like, it's so weird to me. Anyway, but, yeah. you know, that uh, that other documentary I mentioned, um, How to Change Your Mind, the, um, oh, what's his name? Michael uh, Pollan? Michael Pollan, thank you. Uh, it really steps through the process of why my generation and and i'm sure your generation uh has those thoughts about certain things it literally was intentional like the, the you know according to Pollen's mm -hmm. uh presentation in that documentary is basically kids didn't want to go fight in the war in vietnam so yeah let's so we got scare there. them yeah yeah uh, let's stigmatize uh you know these these substances that made people like like each other and not want to fight <laughs> wild anyway mm -hmm. um obviously this is still a hot button issue and something that's not for everybody but i found i found this particular one have a good trip adventures in psychedelics to be uh interesting and humorous and and kind of a fun watch so uh i recommend it i thought it was worthwhile all right let's have a good trip adventures in psychedelics available right now on netflix kanada anything else you've been watching this week yes Oh man, you you've, you've achieved peak dad. Yeah. I have achieved peak dad. So <laughs> oh, man. I have resisted a certain television show mm -hmm. for quite a while now. Mm -hmm. A lot of people talked about it. A lot of people recommended it to me. I decide it just didn't seem like something I wanted to watch. It felt yeah. like it was kind of not, not a genre you like. Yeah, you know? it's like, a, it's like I felt like it was a trashy kind of. It, it. I don't know where I got this notion from, but I. It just felt like, man, this is kind of like garbage TV. It doesn't. And the show I'm referring to 
is Yellowstone. Well, my wife, this last week, yeah. turned to you me and said- You live in Colorado, Jeff. It's only a matter of time until you're just doing all the Western it's stuff. It's so true. Yeah. It's so true. She turned to me and she goes, we should just watch, we should watch it. Why not? We should give it a shot. If so many people have mentioned Yellowstone, we should check it out. So I was like, okay, you know, hey, honey, if you want to, if you want to, we'll do it. Let's put, we'll put on the pilot. Let's see how it, what, what we think. I was wrong about Yellowstone, guys. It's actually, you know, I wasn't wrong, <laughs> but the characterization that I had of it is accurate, but not a detriment. Mm-hmm. So, Sometimes, you know, trashy TV is kind of good. Yeah. yeah. You know, it, it very much is Western succession. Or Western Game of Thrones, which is kind of what I thought it was. But it's not poorly done. In fact, the pilot, which is an hour and a half, the first episode is an hour and a half. It's a banger. It's one of the coolest pilots I've seen in a long time. It, first of all, the first five minutes is friggin' awesome. I mean, awesome. Kevin Costner is just great. Like the guy is great. He, I, I don't know what, what magic elixir he's drinking to look like a 40 year old when he's, you know, I don't know, closer to 70, but uh, he's also awesome and has gravitas and, and just chews up the scenery whenever he's on screen. There are characters in the show. I don't like, there are moments in the show that feel over the top and cheese ball but for the most part, we're really digging it. I'm four episodes in with my wife. I think we're going to stick it out. We're, we're invested. Oh, man. You're in it. You're in it for the show and the prequels? I don't oh, know about boy. the prequels. We'll see. But it, it, it's the one thing I would say Yellowstone does very, very well is when it wants you to think that someone is awesome, it shows you them doing something that is freaking awesome like it it does a thing where it's like oh the goal of that scene was to make me think that person is a total badass and it showed me something that literally i've never seen anyone do and they're right i now think they are a badass like and it's over the top yes is it you know is it heightened are people doing ridiculous things some of the time yes you know, does it compare favorably to succession in that regard? I don't think so. I think succession is a far more sophisticated, interesting, better written show. But if you're sort of hankering for that kind of family turmoil drama thing, it delivers and it's fun. It's fun. I can't deny it's really fun. Have either of you guys watched it? I've, I've watched the first episode. It is good. I just haven't, I felt like I have not seen enough to like really judge it. My parents love it though. Like uh, yeah. people in their generation, all their friends are watching it. They love Costner. And here's the thing. I don't really like Kevin Costner. I, I just, I'm not getting it. Does not compete he's for me. in it. I, he I, is good at it. I think he is he's good. very good. I, that um, first five minutes hmm. of the first episode is like, <laughs> so badass, dude. It's so crazy. It's uh it, the, yeah. it, the show starts with a bang. I think the first episode's amazing. There are things that happen later on where it's just like, come on. You know, I'm only four episodes in and I've had several come on moments. But, you know, it's a fun, it's not so trashy that I am, you know, uh, put off from it. it it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's good. Dave, do you have any interest in that show? Uh, I have, 
I don't not have interest because Taylor Sheridan made it. Although you know, I've, he I've, makes a lot of things. I yes. fall <laughs> less, you know, you know, more out of love with Taylor Sheridan as time has gone on. Indeed, um, but... I do think uh, you would also appreciate more Tulsa King. Which I think is, mm. is like a fun little package of you know episodic TV-ness. Yeah, I certainly don't look down on it. You know, like I think if if it's it, it always felt to me kind of like um, I don't know, Big Bang Theory or Two and a Half Men, where like I know like hundreds <laughs> wow. of millions of people watch this, but like I don't know anyone who does, and I don't personally. Um, but my guess is that it sounds like Yellowstone is probably of better quality than those things I just mentioned. Yes, that um, that was my impression too. Is like it it's so it's. It's mainstream appeal was actually off-putting to me. Yeah. And I, yeah. I felt like there's no way this can actually be entertaining if this many people like it. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, a stupid thing to think. But it's definitely part of my thinking was like, oh, man, there's no way that this is actually any good. And it's it's good. I, I think it's I think it's very entertaining. I mean, it's... Well, it's, there, there's also this thing where, like, the rights were really messy earlier, where it's like, you had you could watch season one on, like, Peacock, but season two wasn't available on, until, like, it was on Paramount Plus yeah, or something, you know, like... Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's a little bit cleaner. How did you watch it, Jeff? I watched... So far, we're watching it on Peacock. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know. I don't know past season one where... Because I said we're, we've watched four episodes so far, so... Well, Jeff, Jeff you are now in the Yellowstone... Not Diverse. necessarily cinematic television universe, yeah. right? Yeah, uh, and there are two other spinoffs. Yeah, eighteen eighty three and nineteen twenty three. Bad titles. Pl- yeah, really. I watched Harrison Ford's in one of them. I watched know. the Harrison Ford one for fifteen minutes, <laughs> and I was like, I don't think this is going to be for me. Oh, um, man. It, you know, but uh, I don't know. Maybe now I'm a Yellowstone guy. I don't know. Wow. Speaking of, by the way, you should give Shrinking another shot, Jeff. You should. Mm. You should keep going I guess on. I that. should. He's really good. Yeah. yeah okay. So yeah, there's 1883 and 1923. There's also one called 6666. <laughs> and then uh, apparently three additional prequel series are planned. In addition yeah. to Isn't those. it weird that yep. they're all like number things, but the original isn't? You know, it's a, we- it's a weird... <laughs> Very chaotic. <laughs> yeah. Very chaotic uh, numbering yeah. system. I agree. I mean, I if, agree. The, if it was Yellowstone and then like Bluestone, yeah, that would make more Yosemite. sense. Yosemite. Yeah. Yeah. If the first mm. one was a number, if the first Blue one was Stone? like... Bluestone, Jeff? All right, well, anyway, that's, that's Yellowstone. <laughs> Jeff liked it. I guess Jeff's a Yellowstone person now. And uh, it like is available. Yellow, yellow sponge? <laughs> yellow wood? Those are all national monuments, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's I'm just get saying, to... a, you know, thematic, a thematic link between all of So you know that they're part of the same. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. It, sh- it should be all national monuments, like Redwood. Yeah, it's there you go. Yeah, right. Yellowstone. Statue, Statue of Liberty. Statue of Liberty. Yosemite. Yeah. Eiffel Tower. Mount Rushmore. <laughs> All right, weekly plug stuff, guys. <laughs> weekly, weekly plugs, the part of the show where we plug something else we've been making. Uh, as. Longtime listeners of the Filmcast know I've recently launched a newsletter called Decoding Everything, where I write about random stuff that's on my mind. But one of the things I want to do on that newsletter is try to bring in new and exciting voices to talk about the world of film, television, and pop culture. This week, I did that uh, by introducing my audience to a, a writer named Krishan Baker, uh, whose work I previously read over at Inverse. A uh, very talented guy. He wrote a review over at Decoding Everything. Uh, for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, he was not a fan of the movie. 
Uh, imagine and, that. Uh, you can read it over at decodingeverything.com. Uh, check it out. Give it a subscribe. It is completely free to subscribe to Decoding Everything. Okay. Uh, Devinger Hardware, what oh, is yeah. your weekly plug? I spent a lot of time last week reviewing the PlayStation VR 2, the follow-up to the original PSVR and, uh, you know, the TLDR. It's, it's very good. I think it's way too expensive for what it is right now, which is a shame because I think the VR market's in a really weird place. So anyway, check out my written review at Engadget at the Engadget YouTube channel. We have a little video review section there. Um, you can check out my basement home theater. If you look at that. And I also talk about it on the Engadget podcast. Yeah. Um, Devinger's review I saw saw posted quite a few times. And uh, th- they did a nice photo shoot for you as, as well, Devinger, in your house, it looks like, for the Engadget review. So I mean, just not a photo shoot, but, you know, there there are some pictures of me. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what you call that. <laughs> not, not really a photo shoot. They did a, a photo shoot, shoot describes sh- intention of, uh, of, like, how good the photos are. They did a shoot, and photos were the output of that shoot. I but tried not, really hard to not take a photos. photo shoot of myself <laughs> yeah. and uh i th- don't think a lot of them are good but you know yeah. they look great Devinger. they look great thank you uh jeff canada your weekly plug i do a video game review show called dlc this week's episode uh i thought it was a pretty fun one uh christian spicer was out he was uh, away traveling but we had an awesome fill-in for him uh, our friend lana bashinsky who is an animator at riot games and uh uh the uh co-host that joins us every week on our our bonus show on wednesdays uh, she filled in for Christian, and our guest was uh, Scott L. Clark, who is a podcaster, but also a fourth grade teacher. And uh, he brought some fun oh, wow. insights uh, into uh, into kids playing games, and and also a bunch of games that he likes. And we had a good time. Uh, it was he a does g- something useful in the world. That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Well, imagine that. Yeah, he, <laughs> he podcasts and also does something useful. Um, <laughs> uh, so check that. It's episode four hundred eighty three of DLC. You can find it at five by five TV slash DLC patreon.com slash film podcast is where you can support this podcast and sign up for every episodes and exclusive after arcs this week we are planning to discuss crouching tiger hidden dragon on the occasion of its 20th anniversary i believe right is that right is that um, right? i feel like it was earlier two, but you know, 23rd yeah. anniversary no, it's that like 2000 movie. The 2000, 23rd yeah, yeah. anniversary. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, the, the oft-remembered 23rd anniversary. 23rd anniversary. I don't, um, I don't need an excuse to see Crouching Tiger in theaters. So. Mm, yeah. Mm, yeah. So there is a, this has been a re-release in theaters. Uh, and uh, apparently the movie looks great. And we are going to be discussing it over. And it's one of Devinger's favorite movies of all time. So that's what I really want to discuss. But uh, you'll be able to find that conversation over at patreon.com slash film podcast. Of course, we never want anyone to donate if it in any way causes some financial hardship. You can always support us for free by leaving a podcast review over on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Or by sharing about the podcast on social media. Uh, of course, you can also share our videos on our various video platforms, um, Instagram at the Filmcast Pod, YouTube at the Filmcast Pod, TikTok at the Filmcast. Check us out there. Share our stuff over there as well. Thanks so much to everyone who shares our work. Thanks to everyone who donates to support this podcast. We really do appreciate it. Let's get to our review of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Secret universe beneath ours. What are you so afraid of? There's something I never told you. This place. 
It isn't what you think. you hope and give you more time if you help me so what's it gonna be Batman. this is the film cast review of ant-man and the boss of quantumania i'm gonna read the plot summary of this movie from imdb scott lang and hope van dyne along with hank pym and janet van dyne explore the quantum realm where they interact with strange creatures and embark on an adventure that goes beyond the limits of what they thought was possible end quote devendra hardwar the ant-man movies in my opinion have been generally quite enjoyable perfectly fine ant-man one very fun. I Ant-Man. will never forgive them for not being Edgar Wright's Ant-Man movies. But, no disagreement you know, there. No disagreement fun. there. But it's been like a fun, enjoyable time. Uh, you know. And one thing that was kind of cool about Ant-Man of the Wasp is the second film is that it was like very self-contained. Didn't feel like super massive stakes. Mm-hmm. Um, had a good some villain. Cool, had Lawrence Fishburne. Like I, I enjoyed just it. Some, sure. Just some fun times. You know, like nothing. No, uh, no beef with any of those movies. Like I agreed with you about the Edgar Wright. Would have been nice to see an Edgar Wright Ant-Man movie. But overall. Really, really had a great time watching the first two Ant-Man movies. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania does not continue the trend of being small scale. I mean, it's very small scale in terms no, of... It's very small scale. Come on. In terms of its setting, but in terms of like its implications for the MCU, it definitely has bigger things in mind, I think. Right? So the question mm-hmm. for you, Divinger Hardware, is uh, did this expanded scale, this expanded scope of what it was trying to do work for you in this movie? <laughs> not, not really. And mm-hmm. it's a it's a weird thing too because I came out of this movie. I think in the process of watching, I was like, oh, this is fine. It's perfectly enjoyable. I, I am having a good time. I tweeted like, this is fine, but I think it's only really great when Jonathan Majors is on screen, and that is true. Like he is fantastic. He just is really bringing a lot to Kang, and um, he's an interesting actor to watch right now. But then I just started thinking about it, and the more <laughs> I got away from this movie, mm-hmm. it is like whatever interest, whatever enjoyment I had was left back in the quantum realm because coming out of it and thinking about this movie and being like, man, it is weird how they go to another universe, a subatomic universe. And nobody is like, wow, hey guys, <laughs> look at these aliens. Why are there humans here? Nobody's impressed by everything, anything really. Um, everyone is kind of bored. And they did a lot of talk about like how this movie is mostly filmed on the volume. I love the volume. I think the volume does a good job for the Mandalorian, a lot of the TV shows. Um, the Batman here, too. The, it looks amazing sure. in, in the, the Batman. Batman. Matt Reeves, the Batman. Yep. Here, it felt like I was watching the Star Wars prequels, yes. where nothing, nothing existed. Like there, the backgrounds were barely there. The, the objects people were inter- interacting with. Um, I don't know if like the things people were seeing around them, if the actors even knew what it was. Like maybe that's why they weren't registering. Like how weird how incredible a lot of this is and i feel like that is so weird because we just got out of avatar 2 which is a completely made up alien planet and i've never for once doubted the reality of the the giant telepathic whales or anything in pandora whereas here people sitting down at a table i don't buy it (laughs) i call bullshit like 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 poker face um nothing felt tangible everybody seems so bored 
And for a movie, it basically ends up being an extended Rick and Morty episode because it's from a Rick and Morty writer. And so much of the new MCU stuff is from Rick and Morty people. So you kind of get that vibe. But yeah, imagine a Rick and Morty episode where, oh, they go to a new universe. They meet all sorts of weird aliens. They have unique customs. Oh, there's like some sort of war going on. That's all Rick and Morty stuff. And I think it is amazing what that show used to be able to do if it, within like a 30-minute episode. But now you stretch out that concept to like a movie, to characters we don't always care about. And to be honest, like characters I don't want to hear much more about too, like Evangeline Lily. I ugh, don't want to see anything else with her anymore, like uh, just from her like weird anti-vax status and a lot of stuff. But also her character is really boring and she's really boring in this movie. I don't know what happened. Because it feels like uh, people are describing this movie as fun. And I'm like, I, I guess it was fun as we were watching it. But man, I, I have nothing. This movie left nothing on me other than Jonathan Majors being an incredible talent that I cannot wait to see where he goes and where Kang goes. But this could this could have been like a Disney Plus special, you know, especially mm-hmm. with the stuff towards the end. And just just connect tissues to to another movie or something. This feels so, so like such a waste of time as a movie. It's rare that Devinder Hardwar and I will agree like 95% on anything. Bingo. Yeah. Um, but I, I agree with a lot of what he said here. And I think to, to put a point on some of the stuff about the volume, the volume is a tool. It's like CG, mm-hmm. right? It can can be used well. It can be used poorly. Um, here, I think it was used poorly. Because I think that, to Devinder's point, at no point in the movie did I believe we're watching these characters in the quantum realm, like right. actually in this actual place that they're supposed to be in. Cinematography um, by Bill Pope, the Bill Pope. Yeah. And it looks the guy like who trash. Made, the guy who made the matrix. <sighs> um, you know, so it is, uh, that, that is really unfortunate. And I think, you know, I, I, um, I was not a fan of overall how the film looked, which is sad because I know many visual effects artists work really hard on this movie, but like, at the end of the day, if you can't package it together in a way that looks and feels compelling, it doesn't really matter um, for the final output. Jeff Kanata, your thoughts on Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania? Well, Dave, I guess you could say my thoughts on Ant-Man and the Wasp's Quantumania is best summed up in the form of a limerick. 23 movies made up the arc that began with just Tony Stark. Now this Ant-Man starts a new plan. But did the MCU just jump the shark? Ooh. It's not a good movie, guys. It's not a good movie. Bing. Yeah, high fives all around. Yeah. Not a good also, movie. Also, the only here's the only thing I I have you know, good good limerick, but um I believe there have been 31 Marvel films. <laughs> but 23 made up the arc for the Infinity Saga. Uh, I see. Yeah, mm-hmm. you got you. Oh, okay, so so how dare I even, I was like, there's no way Jeff got that wrong. Don't, so, don't. That's my fault. That's my fault, yeah. Jeff. I'm sorry about that. I think, uh, I think the Infinity Saga for me is, is a grand achievement, nearly flawless. I mean, there are, yeah, uh, you know, peaks and valleys, but. I, I uh, agree. It's a, it's a monumental achievement in terms yeah. of movie making. I, yeah. I, I, Something I we've never seen before in pop yeah. Right. Yeah. And Avengers in the interim, in Infinity, yeah, yeah, go ahead. And the, the, you know, phase four has been sort of this. Uh, it seems to me uh, there's been fun and there's been peaks and valleys there as well. Lots of movies I enjoyed, Shang Chi and and um, uh, uh, the um, uh, uh, Spider Man No Strange, Sp- yeah, Spider Man. Yeah, lots of great yeah, Doctor Strange. Yeah. A lot of movies I've enjoyed very much, but it felt like it's been kind of spinning its wheels a bit. 
in not beginning the next grand arc, which was supposed to start with this movie. Like that phase five, yeah. Kang. Yes, we saw a little Kang in the Loki's TV series, but this was going to be where it all began, the next big grand arc. At least that's my impression. Yeah. And, and I, I, I think this movie completely fumbles the ball there. And I don't disagree with anything you guys have said. Um, <clears throat> the look and feel, it, 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 it does feel like a Rick and Morty episode. I think that's a great pull, Devendra. It does feel like that. It's overstuffed in the way Rick and Morty often is, where it's just like chaos and all, right, all the dimensions are happening and all the, it's, it feels like an overstuffed movie. It, it puts in some characters from Marvel lore that one I want to talk about specifically in spoilers that should be really fun. And it is, com I, it is badly done, poorly executed. Um, that's such a bummer to me. Um, the Ant Damn it, Man. Now, now I'm remembering the opening phrase I had that I forgot because that would have been that would be good. But okay. <laughs> well, the the Ant Man movies uh, have, I think, utilized uh, the inherent charm of Paul Rudd uh, and been these wonderful um, kind of fish out of water. Uh, this is a the superhero that kind of this is the kind of the greatest American hero version of the superhero. This is the the guy who's it doesn't fit in the suit quite right and is just kind of figuring out as he goes and it's comedic and fun and, and charming. And, and that has been so great. And it, it worked in the context of sort of being a street level hero um, who's figuring it all out as he goes. And this movie just throws all of that out. You know, it, it, Paul Rudd is, I mean, I understand you've got Michelle Pfeiffer. You want to use her. Right, you got Michelle Pfeiffer. I am still in love with Michelle Pfeiffer. Sure, yeah. Right, you've got uh, Michael Douglas. You want to use him. You know these are incredible cinematic legends that you've got in your superhero movie. You want to use them, but I don't care. <laughs> like the whole notion <laughs> of the fact that you know that um, Janet was lost for 30 years in the quantum realm is a cool hook is a cool hook but the idea that this is just what she was she was in a guardians of the galaxy movie i guess is what the answer is mm -hmm. and she uh, refuses to tell her family uh <laughs> things that could be helpful you know the, before it, the middle it, of the movie yeah she's very traumatized all, she's very yeah traumatized, very traumatized okay? the the it's so it's such a wasted opportunity on so many levels it doesn't hold together the movie's a total mess and it, it, it really bummed me out watching it. It, it, it. I didn't have much fun with it. Uh, I just constantly just, it, it, it's such a disappointment. And the notion that in the quantum realm, there's a whole world, there's nothing special about it being the quantum realm. There's nothing special about mm -hmm. that. Yeah. It just, could just be another the outer space. Place. Yeah. It yeah. could be yeah. a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. It, it could be another dimension. It could be anything. It doesn't matter. It's just all nonsense. It's just all gobbledygook. And there's nothing special or defining or unique or interesting about it. And, you know, and then Bill Murray shows up and it's like, okay, what, what movie are we even in right now? <laughs> and and it, it bothers me that, you know, we're supposed to feel stakes in this universe, but it, it, none of it really matters uh, it, it, there's no understanding or definition of how the quantum realm even really works. And why, why is it that you can make, use a PIM particle and make Ant-Man large in context? 
Like, why is it relative to the quantum realm? Why does that? Why is that? And even how they get to the quantum realm, they just like get sucked in. It's like not even there's not yeah. even anything interesting that, there, that there's starts a scene, this there, adventure. There's a scene where he's like. Uh, they transform back down to size, and she's like, "Oh, his daughter's like, oh, I'm so hungry now. Does that happen when you get bigger?" And it's like, "But when you but were you're bigger, not bigger, it you're, was just you're <laughs> infinitesimally sized. It's so it doesn't make yeah. any yeah. damn also, sense." Also, loses one of the fun things about these movies where Ant Man in real things, like right. in a room, and mm-hmm. everything is giant or yeah, 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 being yeah. giant yes. on top of a city. That's or the joy. The fun is yeah. the ring, shrinking and sizing of uh, shrinking and growing of things we recognize. Not nonsense, in, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy craziness. Like, let the Guardians of the Galaxy movies do that. They do it really well. James Gunn is good at that. But yeah. like this movie, it, it it is it is overstuffed and flailing. It is absolutely flailing. Now, having said that, I also agree with Devendra that Jonathan Majors is phenomenal. Every second he's on the screen. He's owning it. He is trans. You're transfixed by his his mm-hmm. presence. Even, even though so, such we don't understand, ca- we don't understand King. Right? We really don't understand where he came from or well, what he can do other than that's Darth my, Vader. That's shit. what I was getting to. Yeah, is yeah. that's the problem here? Is that the movie does him no favors in a movie whose entire point is to set up this next grand villain in a way the Loki series didn't. Right? Loki series is is kind of putting the question mark, who is Kang, right? This movie was, oh, he's a threat, and here's why. But it doesn't do that. It, it does not create... It, 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 you're right, Devendra, in that he is not well-defined. His power set is not well-defined. What makes him scary and or a threat and or interesting is not well-defined. He is awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, his presence is phenomenal. But he's he's not done any favors by this movie, and it really feels like they fumbled the ball on Kang as a yeah. grand, like looming presence over the next however many movies, and that makes me angry because maybe Kang shouldn't have been introduced in the family friendly like <laughs> type of movies. I think yeah. because I, I think back to like the comic Invincible in the Amazon series Invincible, which where we've talked about where you see a whole civilization kind of get wiped out within like ten or fifteen seconds. You're like, oh, that's that's hardcore. And here they're like, oh yeah, Kang did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kang did well, that like, a, a lot of times. Yeah. Go, like go ahead, Jeff. Yeah. Why, why does it make you angry? You know, I don't, I don't know if you should feel angry over the movie, but like why, why it, it upsets you that yeah. the, the depiction of Kang didn't live up to its full potential, right? Why, why is that the case? Yeah. Well, I like the notion of Kang being the, you know, if he is existing outside of, of time, uh, the constraints of time and can be many things to many people. I love how he was introduced in Loki and how he is this sort of silver tongued. um, You don't know if you can trust him, but he sort of comes at you from a very sympathetic way. He's not the menace. He's not it. But also there's this, this, this threat of, uh, you know, something underneath that Jonathan Majors pulls off so, so well. And I wanted I was hoping that this movie, we would see why the idea of a man who's outside of time is terrifying. Like what, what is it about that notion that is powerful and threatening and has to be stopped? And what, what does he want? What does none of that, like 
it it completely just sidesteps all of that note and just kind of gives you generalized he has beams coming out of his hands and he has armies i guess for some reason of the most boring looking freaking villain it, soldiers it's ever. so yeah. it's such a fumble to me uh, of, of 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 giving you give the ball to this incredible actor and he's going to be able to take it and run with it wherever you want him to go and you don't give him a direction there's no there's no there there and i'm hoping that gets corrected in the next several films because kang is an awesome character and honestly the end credit scenes point to something so much more interesting than what this movie is doing with that mm -hmm. character but I think this movie fails on nearly every level. Like there isn't, there's very little for me that I found enjoyable or uh, useful as far as setting up the next phase. It just, it's such a massive disappointment to me. Mm. Wow, Jeff. I, I, don't, I think this is the most negative I've ever heard you on a Marvel film. Well, it's not as bad as um. Eternals. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I actually don't agree with that, but you know. I know you don't. You me. loved Eternals. <laughs> I didn't love Eternals. I thought it was a solid. You movie. loved that you movie. Loved I did not love Eternals. Oh, check Eternals. the film. Where's okay, the tape? Yeah, yeah, we got tape of you saying I thought it was one of the best movies of the year. <laughs> okay, I think I thought, you said stuff like that. I thought it was. I was. I was shocked that people were negative on Eternals because, like, oh, that's like every other Marvel film, you know. Um, but yes, that's good context to have because then you can dismiss my opinions appropriately. I'm not talking to you, Jeff. I'm talking to, my, to our audience. I mean, I have Absolutely. not, I have not liked any Marvel. I have not like really enjoyed any Marvel film that's come out since No Way Home. Really? So I, for, I forget your opinion on Doctor Strange, but Doctor you know. Strange. Yeah, I, you know, you guys like that movie a lot more than me. Like, yeah, Sam Raimi. It's fun to see Sam Raimi doing stuff, but like, I didn't think that movie was very good. Mm. And uh, in retrospect, I think Thor: Love and Thunder was just terrible. Like, it's mm. it looked awful, and it, you know, volume baby. It, I, yeah. I, I actually think it's worse than this film. I'm gonna put that out there. Like, I think a lot of people are like, ba you know, bagging on uh, Quantum Media. I mean, at least that movie tried to do something interesting, like the weird negative space and like the the black and white stuff, yeah. like. It was doing something rather than, I don't know, CG guys, figure it out. I'm putting sure. these people on stage. The alien world. Yeah, perhaps. But in any case, like, um, uh, you know what? It's probably unfair. I would say they're both equally bad in my book. But yeah, <laughs> sure. I have not, didn't like that. Wakanda Forever, obviously, we talked about it on this podcast. I think we it had a lot of problems with it as well. Mm -hmm. Just like in terms of it feeling more like setting up for the next thing. Um, I have a lot of sympathy for the creator's you know, you know the the filmmakers, the producers, mm -hmm. um, because my understanding is like this film was uh, it was filmed in I think 2021. Um, it was filming wrapped in 2021, and I think they had like you know there's just a lot of like balls to juggle and like where do you, where does it go? And I don't know that this movie was ever intended to start Phase Five and be like the big introduction for Kang. Who knows if it was or not? But whatever like the original intention was the final intention was this is the first film phase five. It introduces Kang to a major audience, like, you know, millions of people that maybe didn't watch the end of Loki and it did not succeed in, in introducing him in a compelling way. You compare this to, uh, Thanos's introduction in Avengers infinity war, which like, even though he was part of a whole other movie, I thought like, Hey, they gave this guy like pretty easy to understand powers. He's big. He's, he's strong, and uh, and he wants to kill half of the creatures in he the world, in the universe. He has emotional stake. That's yeah. his whole. That's his whole deal, you know. And uh, not every villain can have as simple of a story, but uh, whatever they were trying to do with Kang, it ends up really muddled and um, 
not particularly mm-hmm. effective. O- honestly, everyone's talking about how good Jonathan Majors is in this movie. I think he's very good. It just feels like he's in a different movie. Like yeah, you know, everything yeah, else in yeah. this movie is it feels like everything that's not Jonathan Majors feels like um, kind of one of those like uh, fantasy adventures I would watch growing up, you know, in the 80s or 90s, like Willow or something yeah, like that. It's a kid's and, fantasy. Yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, we're going to this world and, and we're going to lead this rebellion against the blah, blah, blah. And it's like, except it's like a very shittily done version of that and also like you, you talked about how this is a rick and morty episode it's like there are concepts in rick and morty that were yes. done way better yeah in rick and morty i'll talk about them in the spoilers but um so i know people worked really hard on this movie but it just feels like uh it feels half-hearted because jeff what you said i agree completely the plot feels like it's too overstuffed here are the things the movie's trying to do it's trying to uh, bring together this whole group of the Van Dynes, like give them each kind of an interesting story, right? Uh, and there's um, five of them. Uh, and it's like the movie barely has any time for like Hope, the, the Wasp. She's in the title, but she she's like in like, yeah. she gets like, I don't know, 10 lines of dialogue in this movie. So she's barely in the movie at all. Um, you want like Scott Lang and his daughter to like have a good bonding relationship, by the way. Um, curious what you guys thought about Catherine Newton as the new Cassie Lang. This is her first time in the role. She's replaced She's Emma Furman. I like her. Yeah. She's I like perfect. her too. I, and yeah. supposedly, I mean, clearly they're setting her up to be Stature, which is from the comics that, that Cassie Lang's yeah. superhero name, um, that it would potentially be a young Avenger. Yeah. And clearly the movie is moving, uh, all these movies are moving toward the young Avengers, which I think is cool. I think it's a cool goal. goal. Yeah. Um, I think she'd be great. As Yeah. I, I, t- totally solid. But like, that's another thing the movie's trying to do. Introduce Kang, kick off this, um, you know, phase five with Kang, like that I assume will culminate or end up with Kang Dynasty in a few years. Um, And then also this whole rebellion subplot, like this whole idea of like, hey, we've been subjugated by Kang for so many years. And it's like, okay, like, yeah. Also, Michelle Pfeiffer was a part of it. Michelle Michelle Pfeiffer and her whole back. So it's basically like, there's just too much stuff. And the movie's only two hours long. Like, it's not. If they had had like three hours, maybe they could have achieved it. And then ultimately, as we've already discussed, like it doesn't look very good. And so it's just, you combine all these things together. Yeah. You have Modoc in there who's like, feels like, again, from a completely different. We, we can wait for spoilers well, yeah, for that. That's going to be a spoiler yeah. okay. for that. He is, he is seen in the trailer, but you know. Good we can, God. We can good. talk. Yeah, you're right. We'll my my original opening for this episode was the giant head can't hurt me. It's not real. <laughs> <laughs> because it's horrific. Yeah. I think. Nice. I mean, if you're if we're gonna talk about it, no, 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 it's yeah. it's it's revealed that Modok is in the movie, but you don't know who he is. So, mm-hmm. like, let's we can talk about that. In well, the I, yeah. I think the the entire problem with this movie can be summed up with Modok for me. Mm. Okay, in that it is it is just stuffed into this movie. Yeah, poorly yeah. executed. The look of Modoc does not work at all. Horrific. Mm-hmm. It, it, oh it, it should have been. It, I mean, there is a Modoc TV series with yeah. Patton Oswald, which is awesome. Voicing it. Awesome. What? Show. Awesome. I, I, you said I, awful, I, yeah. awful or awesome? No, I, awesome. I like that yeah, show. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So fun. So funny. So smart. Nails the look. I mean, it's yeah. all stop motion, but yeah. uh, like it, it, this looks like. Uh, the face in Tron from 1982, <laughs> you know, that stretched face yeah. of the actor yeah. from Tron. It's, it's so poorly 
realized uh-huh. the character is squandered and it's kind of just shoehorned into this movie for no yeah. reason at all. Guys, yeah. how's our Modoc budget looking? Oh, oh, oh. Every everything else has I taken think up I all the budget. Use the warp tool in After Effects. Uh, anyway, so anyway, yeah, I, I I would agree. And so you add all these things together, and it's just like uh, it's not terrible. I would say it's not like. As you said, Dominguez, you can watch this movie and it's like, yeah. this is an inoffensive I've time. talked to like, a lot of people a who enjoy it, who had missed fun with opportunity. Exactly. You can watch it and be like, ah, that was fine, you know, but like, I don't think there's, I think there's very few people who will be like, Arr, you know, but um, it's not good. And that's uh, a huge We, we should demand so. better. That's what I, that's yeah, the thing that's I'm true. telling a lot of people. It's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Dominguez, you're so right in the comparison to Avatar The Way of Water. Which, of course, you know, is, was made over a much longer period of time with much more care and effort and money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure it cost a lot more to make that movie than to kiss to yeah. make this one. So, you know, in some senses, the comparison is unfair. But, you know, you can see how, when, a, when a filmmaker cares about making the effect shots really work. Or and has the time and resources to do so. Indeed, right? yeah. indeed. But also thinks about the environment and like what these things are and how all these different things interact with each other and can describe that to the actors. I feel like a lot of that was missing here. One thing I will also point out, pre-spoilers, is that William Jackson Harper's in this movie. Absolutely wasted. And another reason to be disappointed is he is like among the top names to potentially be in Fantastic Four, to potentially be Richard Reed. Not going to happen now. Reed Richards, because this, yeah. Because of this. Yeah, indeed. Reed, yeah, yeah. All right, folks, let's talk about spoilers for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania starting right now. Now you're looking for the secret. Can I see this coming? No. But you won't find it because, of course... You're not going to see this coming. You're not really looking. I have been puzzling over how it works. You don't really want to work it out. Who's in the box? I have been dying to tell you. I want to tell you my secret. You want to be fooled. I was making the point earlier that feels like Jonathan Majors is in a different movie, right? Like, and he's like, I'm going to kill your daughter in front of you and make you watch her die a million times. And it's like, juxtaposed to this, like, hey, goofy, fun family adventure with Modoc yeah. in it. You know, it's like, it just feels like, yes, Jonathan Majors is great, but the tone it, it feels like veeringly wildly out of control. Jeff Kanata, why do you think Modoc, who is the Corey Stoll character from the first film, yeah, his yellow jacket. Yellow jacket is Modoc in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. I mean, what do I start? Uh, I mean, there's a the, there's a moment where Scott Lang goes, "Oh, I get it." Uh, m- murder. Oh, you know, oh, he does the acronym for Modoc, which I can't remember right the second. Uh, it, it, but he gets it like in a way that no human would get it. You know, like it's it's so forced and inorganic just how it looks in the movie like the look is uh, <laughs> representative of how it actually is <laughs> is presented in the movie too inorganic false goofy dumb like he's there as a as a, a punchline for some reason he goes oh kang made me why 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 would kang do why why does he make your head giant in there it just makes no fucking sense man it's like the whole thing is just arbitrary, just like every other moment in the movie. There's sure. a guy who has holes. The holes character, which doesn't exist in the comics, so far as I know. Um, no, he doesn't have holes. 
No, yeah, he, does, he gets holes. He right? gets holes. Uh, yeah. That the best, is the best most line Rick the and Morty is... thing in this entire freaking yeah. movie. That is mm-hmm. yeah. so Rick and Morty. How many um, holes do you have is a great line. I, yeah. I will give you that. The yeah, that's a, that's good. That was good. Yeah. you have to admit. Uh, yeah, I mean, yes, in a, in a, <laughs> yes. I mean, the movie has some but uh, some let, moments. Let, you let know, me push the, back on. Let me push back because you guys are making me defend movies as usual that I don't like. Um, <laughs> we're, uh, you, is, you are it, choosing to do this. Is we're there any the- way to make Modok like his? The idea behind Modok is that it's a guy's giant head, right? Like, yeah. is there any way to make a head look that large without it looking silly? Like it does yeah. in the movie. Yeah, you know? I you, think you. You do mm-hmm. it in a very grotesque physical mm-hmm. way. Yeah. 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 Like it's it, like it's like you literally took a guy's skull and like scratched it. It, it out, has basically. to look yeah. grotesque and yeah. and and um visceral. It's not just like you stretched out a face across a visor. You know yeah. what I mean? It's literally like it has to look organic. Yeah. It has yeah. to look yeah. like a physical transformation. And I think mm-hmm. that would this is the wrong movie for Modoc to be. Yeah, in. like mm-hmm. this he, need to be he needs qu- to be in the James Gunn movie because Modoc as a character also uh, reminds me of like when James Gunn did like practical effects and things like Slither and the weird creatures mm-hmm. in that movie. Yeah. So I don't it's know. just the whole notion that in the quantum realm is just a bunch of people doing people stuff. Why are they people? Why? Are Why? They what? What? <laughs> Give me something <laughs> about the quantum realm that is interesting. Mm-hmm. It's small down here, okay? Like yeah. when you when we first get there and you see like almost amoeba looking yeah, stuff, yeah. I was like, okay, cool, this is cool, you know. But it, it's as soon as like faction war factions show up and like space aliens with technology, like okay, so in the quantum <laughs> realm, there's stuff made of smaller stuff, smaller stuff. <laughs> So, yeah. so the gun that the guy has that shoots like a gun is made of thing. What is the things that the gun is made out of? <laughs> is this sm- the molecules in the gun? Yeah, or, yeah. Like, is Bill Murray a human? How did humans get there at all? Like, no. what? He, you know? he said he has it where it counts. You know, like he's human where it counts. Which, mm-hmm. okay, that's a weird joke for you to make. How do you know our sense of humor? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing. Yeah, it's it, it just yeah. like, oh, so you, you know. It, it, the last movie we we think, oh my God, she survived for thirty years right, on right. the subatomic level. What an amazing thing! Oh no, she was going to bars and stooping <laughs> Bill Murray. Like <laughs> sounds like a good life. Actually, that's so. what that's what she was doing. Yeah, and and, helping mm. Kang like basically re- repower <laughs> himself. Like good good job, good job. It, it, the, the the big solution at the end is Michael Douglas comes with an army of ants. In the quantum realm. Yeah. Guys, did you remember? This is an Ant-Man movie. <laughs> Here are some ants. They're big in relation. They're but they're infinitesimally they, they, small. They also got, but they also got they, shrunk down. They also got shrunk they down. They got shrunk down. I know they yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. So, what what does anything matter? One, one thing but, we have to talk get about. Shrunk down, they didn't get shrunk down like as all much. the way. Yeah. Right. <laughs> they, but they have their but, own technology. Oh, hey, yeah, that's where yeah. the, that's where the quantum realm came into play, right? Because Remember the ants? They developed. They like evolved over the course of centuries to be more, mm-hmm. you know, smart and everything. And that's yeah. why. And that's why they came into. Yeah, that, that totally anyway. makes sense. We didn't talk about the action in this. Whatever action is in this movie, completely incomprehensible. Like I cannot, I can't see anything. Somebody hits somebody, yeah. and the camera pans and whips, and I don't know who got hit. I don't know who got punched. I don't know anything. And then, um, yeah. What what is Scott's thing at the end when when he's well, facing you, you, King? Yeah, it, it's inherently uninteresting action because you have these faceless dudes. Yeah, you know, which is like I think 
I don't remember if we discussed this as a rule, but anytime you're introducing an army of faceless, nameless zombie yeah. creatures to be your villains, you've lost basically, like in terms <laughs> I of. I mean, stormtroopers beg to differ, but okay. Yeah. yeah. Th- those um, would not be good enough in like a B grade, you know, shooter, you know, in, yeah, in a video Hayes. game. They're from Hayes, the video yeah, game Hayes. Hayes. the video game. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, but the, yeah, but the it, whole notion is like, Kang shouldn't need an army of robotic <laughs> automatons. Like, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like, that's not how you make him a cool, introduce a cool villain is, oh, he got shrunk down to, to isolate him from the, like the notion of Kang that this movie tells us is there is this one version of Kang that <laughs> was so terrifying that somebody shrunk him down into the quantum mode, banished him into this place so that he couldn't escape. And what he does is he gets an army somehow uh, there. Because he's because of his Kang. unique powers, his unique powers, you know, uh, uh, he, he gets an he, army of things and starts taking over this area. It's, yeah, like his I, motivations I, I, don't make any sense. None of it's I, defined. Here's another. Here's another beef I have with the movie is uh, at the end with um, when Scott encounters all of his other selves, right? And it's like, oh, those aren't you. Those are just other probabilities of you. It is the. <laughs> laziest implementation of that idea I've seen. There's actually yeah, another episode yeah. of Rick and Morty. Yep, that's really that's really Rick and Morty Rick has ruined us. really well. We're basically yeah. like, um, I don't remember how they described it, but basically like every time there's a different version of actions, the screen splits into yeah, different so versions of the scene. And so you see, like by the end, it's like there's like 16 or 64 versions of the scene because like every single one has a different thing story playing out. And it's like, oh, like I can not only is that a cool idea as a driving plot for that episode, but it actually like opens up my mind where I'm like, oh, like this is such a cool idea of like there's different versions of how it could play out. Like, yeah, I'm like, I, I am thinking about the world differently now because I watched that yeah. episode. Right here. You watch it. He's like, it's a fun way to get a bunch of Scots in there, including like a Baskin Robbins one for some reason. Well, there's like, only one like, Baskin Robbins one in the infinite yeah, it's probabilities. Just like, it's just it's... like, whatever. Okay. Um, but I think, guys, we're ignoring the biggest problem in this film, which is its unabashed endorsement of hustle culture. <laughs> uh, the, uh, Scott Lang has saved the planet. He's written a book. And his daughter's like, well, what have you done for me lately? <laughs> At the beginning. And it's like, really? How about raise your ass? How about about I don't need to do it? How about I save the planet? I don't need to do anything else for you anymore. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure you guys are parents. At the end of the day, you're like, I've already done enough for my children. End of story today. Um, This guy saved the planet, and his daughter's like, well, what have you done for me lately? It's weird how they could not stick that emotional landing where, you know, Thor 11 Thunder, whatever you think about that movie, I think that opening with Christian Bale is is Awesome. Awesome stuff. Great stuff. Strong stuff. And that gets you on his side pretty much like, yeah, these gods suck. Kill them all. Sure, go ahead. Yeah. But there is a stake there. Whereas in this movie, it's like, okay, Scott Lang has been away for five years, right? His daughter has grown up without him. And it's this is supposed to be the reckoning of that. And this movie just like completely kind of ignores a lot of that stuff and brings it back up at the end. That's really, that's really it. Yeah. I mean, uh, I actually called Jeff Kanata after we'd both seen the movie because I was in a state of discombobulation because the trailer for the movie sets up a plot where Scott has lost time with his daughter, like five yep. years because of the blip. Yep. 
and he wants it back. And Kang's like, I can give you that time back. You know, a conflict that is nowhere in the film at all. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. that trailer came out a month ago. This is when, like two years ago where they're mm-hmm. like, oh, we changed where the focus is like, I think they were clearly making this movie up until the last minute and it shows. And that's a bummer, you know? So any other thoughts? Such a bummer, let's, talk, let's talk about the post-credit sequences. I actually thought yeah. they weren't. I've seen some people be like, these post-credit scenes are terrible. I actually thought it, they weren't that bad. They're, they're interesting. More interesting than anything that came before them. So, yes. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so, in the first post-credit sequences. So, okay. Our, my understanding is that this Kang that we saw is dead. Right? Like, this version of Kang is dead. Well, um, but, maybe not. Mm, maybe. But, I mean, there, we see basically the... Uh, is it the Council of Kangs? What is it called? Yeah, um, Council of Kangs. Council of Kangs. Um, and you see like different versions of Kang, like Immortus and other versions of Kang, like talk about what's happened in the quantum realm. And then we see, hey, there's a shit ton of Kangs all ready to unleash hell, basically. Um, so, you know, if any of them are even moderately effective, it might be bad <laughs> for the planet. And then that's that's one post credits, and then the second post credit sequence I believe is just a scene from Loki season two. Um, well, I, I think we may, it's, you know, it's showing Victor Timely, which is a version of Kang that may actually be this one in Quantum Mania mm-hmm. that has yeah. is hiding back yeah. in time as ah, Victor cool. Timely, uh, because I, in the comics, the Victor Timely persona of Kang the Conqueror is something he did to hide after the Avengers beat him. Um, mm. so that may be what we are supposed to think is that he is hiding and working and biding his time to take revenge on Earth. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of, kind of cool to see Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson on the big screen. That was a little bit of a, I mean, that, a scene, of a that yeah. scene was more interesting than I think anything in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. That scene My was audience like, oh. actually woke up. I heard people waking up. Yeah, people were like, whoa, that was cool. You know, like, yeah. Yeah, it's like an that, awesome yeah. idea. Then the, this notion of uh, a time traveling bad guy who can be all these different versions yeah. of himself. Like, that is cool. That is cool. This not, doesn't exist in this movie, but it's cool. Also curious how Owen Wilson, so spoilers for season one of Loki, but also curious how like Owen Wilson and Loki are going to buddy up again. Because at the end of that show, I believe he like, Owen Wilson has no memory of Loki anymore, if I recall correctly. Yeah. So it's like um, something will clearly need to happen for them to be friends again. So we'll, we'll look forward to that in Loki season two. But I want to throw a quick shout out to the Modoc death scene because I think that that was actually a little fun and maybe had some of the energy that I wish this movie did have where uh, Modoc does his heroic things like, I'm going to die a hero. And everyone's like, yeah, sure, buddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that was actually good. Don't be a dick. That was the ultimate Modoc, yeah. you know. So I guess uh, um, Wesley Crusher is uh, what's his name? Uh, Will Wheaton. Will, yeah, Will Wheaton. That's Will Wheaton's catchphrase, right? Oh, I guess yeah, I wonder yeah. if they gave him a check. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeff, I feel like this one's broken, you man. This one's, it, this one's really broken. It, it, it I feel like that. Yeah. bummer. It is a massive. I, bummer. I felt I'm like gonna say I'm gonna go ahead, Jeff. Go ahead. As much as I as as much as I really didn't like Eternals, that felt like a movie that could sort of exist out here in the ether and right. not be central to what's going on. And this one felt like, all right, here we go. Let's buckle up for the next. Oh crap. Well, here's another thing that no one talks about Jeff is um, somewhere in the MCU version of planet earth. There's a 
freaking gigantic hand reaching out of the ocean. That is referenced and, <laughs> vaguely, but it is referenced. Yeah. And um, and apparently planets are just incubators for celestials. And uh, people yeah, are just yeah. cool with that knowledge now. We, we have people seen just... the, the grandest scope of the universe. We've seen yeah. the tiniest portion of the universe. Yeah. We've seen the nature of how time and timelines work. Yeah. And yeah. None of it has well, actually connected to anything. So we're 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 now experiencing this thing in the cinematic universe that uh, comic book lovers have have seen happen time and time again uh, in the comic in comics, and that is uh, stories being crushed by the weight of their own continuity. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. If that yeah, exists, and also that exists, then how do we square that circle? Um, I, I'm just going to say, I'm really, encu- I'm actually encouraged by the fact that Jeff doesn't like this movie. Because it means yes. that there is a limit to Jeff's Marvel loyalty, <laughs> and uh, and I actually quite appreciate it. It's like the line must be drawn here to quote Captain mm-hmm. Picard, and um, that's what I said I, in my limerick. That's, it feels like this is the moment it jumped the shark to me. I am. Uh, it, it does feel to me like the storytelling is a little bit off the rails at this point, and so the question for me is like, is it going to continue to go off the rails, yeah. or are they going to course correct? in time for Kang Dynasty, right? Which is theoretically going to be so. like this this next set of mm-hmm. phases like Infinity War or something like that, right? Like so What's I the mean, next I, I, Marvel movie? What's the next one? Um Marvels was delayed. Is it the Marvels in, in coming out in uh, November, I think? Yeah, um, but there's one before be that. There's going to be a summer one. Um Guardians of the Galaxy 3? Oh yeah, there's that. Is there one one more before that? Before Marvels? Um the Marvels could be bad. Marvels could be bad. Why why do you think that's true? It's another sort of esoteric, weird mm. concept that mm-hmm. might not go down. Well. So the next think... Marvel films are Guardians of the Galaxy in May, uh, Spider-Man mm-hmm. Across the Spider-Verse in June. Yeah, that'll okay. be good. Yes. And then Marvel's in November. Uh, and then there's theoretically going to be Craven the Hunter, but I don't think that's going to uh, happen. That's not anymore. a Marvel movie, though, isn't it? Oh, Sony? Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's a weird so, there you go, there you go. Those are the Marvel films this year. I so. was not joking, guys. I do think some executives like saw this movie and was like, oh, crap. <laughs> Have we, where, where are we here? What's going on? I don't know oh, if it quite yeah. happened like that, but I do think it's possible that, yeah. um, I mean, I, here's another thing I, I need to point out, and I'm sorry I didn't say this mm-hmm. earlier, is mm-hmm. um, all the Marvel films are still like massively financially successful. Like, yeah. um, despite the lower cinema scores, like every single one has been a huge hit. Um, but I do think people can see Rotten Tomatoes cinema score, audience scores, like people can see that it's like declining. Um I, my guess, though, Devendra, is it's more a function of cost than it is of like, I'm these sure stories being bad. I, I don't I'm think sure. I don't think Bob Iger is like, oh, the Lion King remake must be the top artistic quality before it makes a billion dollars. Like, I don't think that's his calculus. I don't think but... so, but I think at a certain level, if if you start ignoring like that, if you start ignoring yeah. like the actual storylines, the actual quality, like this all falls apart. I, like, I this agree. Whole I agree. Thing. Like, yeah, I I think that like I honestly think that the Star Wars franchise is still recovering from Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Personally, you know. Yeah. But like, you make a bad movie, like a movie that that's so bad that it's like, yeah. it, it it takes a lot of work to like put the pieces back together. You know, you and lose so audience, you lose trust. You yeah, lose trust from the yeah. people who care about the stuff the most. So yeah. I think that's important. I want to shout people out to Bilga Abiri's review at Vulture. This is a cry for help. Yes. That's the that's title the name, of this title of his <laughs> review. But yeah. But it at is, the yeah. end of the day, days. despite literally everything that we have just said, it's still pretty impressive that Peyton Reed made a movie. You know, maybe, maybe at some, <laughs> sometimes we have to take that back. <laughs> I don't agree. No, nope, well, I will. No, not. we'll never will take not. that back. It's, it is impressive. It's impressive to make a movie. It's impressive. It's, it's impressive out. to make a movie. Yeah. 
All right, folks, uh, that's going to bring us into this week's episode of the Filmcast. Find more episodes of the Filmcast.com. Email us at slash filmcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you thought of Ant Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at the Filmcast Pod. Find us on TikTok at the Filmcast. And support this podcast at patreon.com slash filmpodcast. Next week, it's going to be, or this week, I should say, it's going to be our um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon look back. Uh, should be good fun to talk about that on this podcast next week on the podcast it's gonna be cocaine bear bold of them to put cocaine in the title of the movie you know jeff yeah uh, i'm I'm curious like uh you you have an older child amongst you know the two the children that two of you have like and a bear uh, (laughs) and a bear and it's like um uh are you like are you gonna tell your kids that you watch this movie like do, I don't do tell my like... kids I watch most of the movies. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Infinity Pool, kids. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, my kids aren't. My kids don't have any. understanding Do you think it creates like awkward scenarios where like you're walking past like a marquee and it's like the, they, they ask like, "What's cocaine, Daddy?" Yeah, you know, like this is that literally gonna... happens every every minute of every day. Is weird, yeah. awkward interactions. Yeah, <laughs> trying to describe the hellscape of this yeah. world to children. Yeah, yeah. Try yeah. putting on any. Uh, any channel on Spotify or Pandora, <laughs> Dave. All right. I'll look into it. Anyway, Cocaine Bear is going to be our review next week. Could have a fun after dark, but I'm not going to jinx it by saying what it might be. So uh, stay tuned, folks. Thanks for listening. See you later. Goodbye. All right, guys, you're not going to believe this. Uh-huh. I accidentally activated Google Translate, and the Google Translate icon is, like, right next to the stop button. Mm-hmm. You stopped recording? And, and I literally, it's, like, hovering over the stop recording button, and I can't stop recording. Try resizing the um, window. Delightful. I tried resizing. Um, how do I deactivate Google Translate? Let's see if that's possible. <clears throat> On your computer, open there may Chrome. be a hotkey to stop the recording too. Open Chrome setting. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. Um, yeah. On the left, under Google Trans. Okay, on the left, click Languages. Open Chrome. Click on Settings. This is fun. On the left, Languages. Um, trans. Oh, turn off Google Translate. Boom. Boom. No, that didn't do it. I, I turned it off, but it's still it's still creating this thing. Oh man. Oh man. I I I mean, I literally don't know what to do because all I can do is pause the recording. I can't stop it. You know? Mm. <laughs> I'm gonna keep all this in the episode, by the way. Good. Just yeah. that good, good, good. This is great. Um disabling Google Translate automatic translation feature. Let's uh see if I can do that. Uh, okay, okay, set it. I don't even know how this happened, you know? If you refresh this page, what happens to the recording? I, I don't I don't want to find out. Yeah. I don't wish to find out. Um, well, because the room itself is recording, so... Yeah, um, translate... <laughs> I, could, I could pause it? 
and then try to refresh it? That might yeah, work. Yeah, I would you know? do that. Yeah. I'll pause. Anything like that? Yeah, try I'm, I'm trying you to refresh. Okay, tried. pausing apparently didn't do anything. <laughs> pausing apparently didn't do anything. This is great. Refresh, refresh. All right, I'm going to try to refresh and hopefully. Let's see what happens. It works. Let me just try one last thing. <clears throat> oh, I got it. I got it. I got it. I figured it out. 